Hi, welcome to another episode of the Manufacturers Make Stride podcast. I'm your host Martin Griffiths and today I'm interviewing Andrew Bishop. Andrew is the founder and CEO at Bishop Sound. They're a British speaker manufacturer of reliable, affordable speakers for both public and private performance. And Andrew got involved in this because in 1972 he built his first speaker cabinet by using uh, marine plywood and a speaker driver that he found in his neighbour's attic. And then the following years witnessed many experiments with all manner of materials in Andrew's quest for the perfect tone. And from that day forward, Andrew has really had a passion for British sound and the British tone. He's been involved in manufacturing businesses all around the globe, involved in sound and speakers. So I'm sure he's got lots of fascinating stories from the duration of his career. Let's get straight into interview now and hear all about it. So, hey, good morning, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm fine, Martin. How are you? Uh, really good, thanks. Yeah, really good to get the chance to talk to you today. Um, re- I think you've got a really interesting uh, kind of history and career, and you're in something that, uh, you know, a lot of us are fascinated by, you know, music and performance. Uh, so, so how did you first get involved in that, and how did you come about to make a manufacturer speakers? Well, I made my first speaker when I was 12 and I'm, I'm 61 in October. Mm-hmm. So I've been around sound for a long time. I had to go off and get a proper job for a few years to pay the, uh, pay the mortgage, um, which took me into the corporate world with Barclays, North Kidro, a number of blue chip companies. But I was brought back into sound when I purchased Carlsbro Sound for a pound um, because it was advertised in the Sunday Times. And I was the only okay. person that answered the advert. <laughs> so that's quite a story. I mean, and, and a good friend of mine, a very good friend, very successful friend of mine, said to me in 1999, Andrew, what you need to be doing is you need to be in British manufacturing. Mm. And at that point in time, I said, you must be crazy because there was a mass migration to the Far East and under... Yeah not being political for any moment at all, because I'm not. Mm-hmm. But under Blair's government, his, his passion was to globalise and to go overseas for your manufacturing. Yes. Um, and uh, so for, for my friend, for Paul to say to me, you should be in British manufacturing, everybody laughed and said, no, it's finished. You know, it's the end. Um, but we, you know, I, I bit the bullet on, on, on New Year's Eve in, a, in an office in Leeds at uh, four o'clock in the afternoon. I slid a pound coin across the table and I was the proud owner of Carlsbro, which made wow. the first PA system back in 1959 and did the sound for the Rolling Stones at Elton Swimming Baths in 1963 with a 100 watt PA system. Wow. Great history. Fantastic history. Fantastic brand. Yeah. Yeah. So to have got that deal, to have bought it for a pound, I imagine there must have been a lot of issues in the business that needed turning around. Just a few. It was losing 560,000 on a 960,000 pound turnover, uh, annual turnover. Mm -hmm. So it was hemorrhaging cash uh, like no tomorrow, which tested my uh, skills in finance. But I really felt there was a passion. What, what, what was there, which is what we need, 
is the passion from the workers. And I remember going to the factory and saying, what do you do? And they said, they stopped and said, we make the best PA speakers and amplification in the world. Who are you? And um, they were on three pounds an hour. And uh, it was fathers, sons, daughters, aunties, uncles, passionately making speakers and PA systems, which many of the listeners and watchers to this, uh, this video will we'll go, oh yeah, I used to have a Carlsbro when I was at school. I used to have a Carlsbro. Some have still got a Carlsbro in their garage. Some still gig on a Carlsbro. So it's got a tremendous heritage and a tremendous story. So what is the, the British sound? What's unique about it and why is it highly sought after around the globe? I spent a lot of time thinking about this and um, my feeling is this. The, the American sound is all top and bottom. There's no um, mid-range. So, so, you know, a lot of people with the American sound like the thumping bass and very high frequencies, but there's not a lot going on in the middle. Okay. Um, this makes some music sound a little strange. So if you play Hotel California, where there's all those acoustic guitars on the front, you, don't, you can't pick them all out individually because the frequency at which an acoustic guitar works is in that mid-range frequency. And some people struggle getting a voice to sound right because there's no mid-range. So American sound is very top and bottom. The German sound is exceptionally clinical. It's very sharp, precise, direct. There's no warmth, no, there's no it's very edgy. And mm -hmm. the Chinese sound, because I believe they've been brought up with the pentatonic scale and Beijing opera, they love the high frequencies. They absolutely adore it. Bass for them doesn't seem to register. Um, the British sound is an exceptionally warm sound. It's, I, I describe it as grandma's gravy because it's got richness, it's got body, it's got warmth, it's got meaning, and it covers all the frequencies. So I think there's no surprises that British Hi-Fi does very well globally as well. Mm. It's because when our engineers do the sound, there's nothing missing. So that's what I believe is British sound, grandma's gravy. Great, okay. So you mentioned that you built your first speaker at 12. You, uh, you purchased uh, the business for a pound in when, what was that, when you were in your 30s or? 1999, so I just turned, I just turned 40, so yeah. Um, right, okay. So what had happened in the time in between? Were you still interested in speakers and sounds? Had you kept involved, you know, had you kept in touch with it at all? Yeah, I kept my, I was a DJ like most of us, you know, in the day. So I kept my turntables and, and, uh, and I'd done a few parties. And, uh, but unfortunately, when you're in the corporate world, I remember, I remember my, my boss at uh, Fison saying to me, um, if you're going to work for me, you can't be a DJ. You know, you can't be up all hours. And then and I said, well, it's not like that, Mr. Bonington. It was, it was Chris Bonington's uh, brother, Gerald Bonington. It's not like that, Mr. Bonington, the climber. Um, you know, I, I will be on duty and on parade. You know, no, you won't. He said, if you want a job with me, you've got to sack your disco day. So mm -hmm. it was difficult for me. I, and, um, but I kept a passion for music. I kept a passion for sound. But with bills to pay, and mortgages, I, you know, I had to sort of have a, a, a job in the corporate world and, 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 and keep my candle lit for getting into sound. So some say it's probably fatalistic that I ended up buying Carlsberg and I was the one that the only one that answered the advert. Remember, at that time, the Sunday Times was read by five million people. Mm. And the business section was, 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 a, was a must read. 
Um, I'm not sure where the Sunday Times is now, um, and it's not my business, but certainly I don't read it and I don't buy the newspaper. Yeah, I see, yeah, I see. So um, tell us a bit about what Bishop Sound do now. Right, so the, the story of Bishop Sound, I lost Carlsbro in 2008. It was doing about four million, um, making healthy profits. But readers, watchers will know that when that credit crunch hit, a lot of businesses in the United Kingdom caught a cold. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, had didn't have anywhere to go. HSBC basically just recalled all the uh, all the facilities overnight. I think we were one of the at risk strategies uh, companies because we were growing at such a phenomenal rate and they were getting yeah. nervous. And I, I you know, I, I respect all of that. There's no bad blood here. I wouldn't bank yeah. with them again, but there's no bad blood. Yeah. Um, so so we during the time at Carlsbro, Jeff Hoon was our MP, who was Minister for Defence in the early 2000s. And, and Blair was in his ear all the time and saying, look, you know, British manufacturing is, is finished. We're going to have a minimum wage. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We've got some different legislation. In. So we'd already moved Carlsbro out to the Far East. And when the Far East got to know, and we, I, was the, I was the hatchet man that to close the manufacturing facility in Kirkby and Ashfield, which I hated. But I had to do it because I, I couldn't make a, a, a little guitar amplifier for the same money as I could buy it from China finished in a colour box. Not even if I yeah. put in free raw materials or, yeah. you know, it was crazy. So yeah. we'd, moved, we'd moved everything out. And um, China, when they got wind of the fact that there was a run on the banks in the UK, basically said, that's it, guys. We're not dealing with you anymore. We're not even giving you any facilities. We don't want to make anything for you. United Kingdom is broken. And, and I got off a plane in, in China and walked into a meeting and they said, that's it, game over. We just watched it on the television. And there were pictures of riot police and gas and northern, people outside Northern Rock firing tear. But it, was just, it was just crazy pictures, but that's what it was portrayed like in the Far East. So I then uh, had to put Carlsbro into uh, receivership, um, liquidation, blah, blah, blah go through that horrible process because I've got nowhere to go. I couldn't find anybody to invest in the business. Nobody was interested, money was a problem. And um, it was bought by the Chinese. And then I went off and did consultancy for five or six years until such time as a Nigerian customer rang me and said, Andrew, we, we just want your sound back. We can't get your sound. Make some speakers, put the name Bishop Sound on the front and we'll give you an order for a 40 foot high cube container. I said, well, no, it's all right. I, I, I'm not going to get back into all of that again. No, you must. You must, because the sound that you create is the sound that we want for our churches in, in West Africa and East Africa. Right. So I sacked off all my consultancy in the Far East and around the world and uh, started making speakers again. Um, but this time, differently. Mm -hmm. And initially, where, where did you manufacture then? So did you stay with China for the manufacture or were you in the UK? Stayed with China um, because the UK was in bits as far as manufacturing PA equipment and sound equipment. It was in pieces. There were very mm -hmm. few people left doing it. Um, but I always wanted to come back and make speakers here because I believe that's the way to do it. Um, so the situation as it stood then, this is five or six years ago, was that I purchased the stock in China and supplied people around the world. And, and I did reluctantly 
because I didn't, I felt a bit sort of, oh, look at me putting Bishop on the front of a speaker. But I, I reluctantly said, okay, I'll, I'll put Bishop sound on and the union flag and all this. And um, which is what they wanted. And um, yeah, you know, it, it gradually grew step by step. And then, you know, we, we, before lockdown, before the COVID situation, we were absolutely flying, um, but we were still purchasing everything in the Far East. During lockdown, I had a good hard think about where we should be going and what we should be doing. And whilst lockdown for us was, was dreadful because it was against the law to make music in a public place and you, were, you could be sent to prison, you could have a 10,000 pound fine. Yeah. So unlike a lot of other businesses that could muddle through, mm. it was illegal for us to say to people, go and buy some speakers and get outside and make some noise. So even when everyone was clapping for the NHS, they couldn't have a speaker yes. because the police would say, mm -hmm, young man, you know, so it was lockdown for us was terrible, but we ran it on a pilot light and, and, and somehow we got through. And I don't know how, when I write the book, I'll probably say. <laughs> so I believe you, you are interested in bringing production back to the UK. Passionate what? about it. Okay, so, so, so why is that? And how do you, think, do you think we've still got the skills base in the UK to, to, to do that? Well, I wonder how many people watching this believe in fate. I wonder how many people believe that everything happens for a reason, even though at the time you think this is crazy. So we've got a small industrial unit in Ripon. Next door, there was an engineer, a mechanical engineer, who basically makes things to fill paint pots. Mm -hmm. His friend, who moved into a caravan next door to him, is a woodworking guy from the southeast who had had enough with the southeast and moved up to Ripon. One of his passions was to make speakers. One of John's passions was to make a CNC machine. They were renting a CNC machine, so they got together and decided they'd make a CNC machine. Knocked on my door and said, can we make some speakers for you, Mr. Bishop? I said, well, <laughs> why not? So they built a purpose-built CNC machine, which on the 25th of September 2021, will be commissioned by Julian Smith MP, our local MP, by cracking a bottle of baby sham on, the, on one of its legs. Mm -hmm. And it will be making purpose-made speakers in Ripon, in North Yorkshire, for the PA companies, and, and that for us, and it'll be sent globally. Yesterday, we had an inquiry for 206 speakers for DOA, and they need them in four weeks' time. And we can do that. We couldn't get them from the Far East in four weeks' time. They don't exist. But mm -hmm. so so... It, it's, it's fate that these people have moved in next door. And if everything goes to plan, we can make pretty much anything that's a speaker in any color that anybody wants at the right time, because we've got control. We're not waiting for shipments from the Far East. We're not waiting for China to get to go. We're not, we're not subject to minimum order quantities, which is a massive problem when you're buying from the Far East. Nobody wants 2,000 twin 18 inch subs. Yeah. You know, you want 10. Well, it's not worth making ten. Hmm. So, so for us, it's fate. For us, it's the future, and for us, it restores our passion. Now, as far as skills are concerned, electronics will be deployed in the in the programming of the CNC machine. And between us, we pretty much know what a speaker should look like. And we've been offered an anechoic chamber, the use of an anechoic chamber in Derby University, to test the speakers once they're made. 
So we've been around the block a few times. We know what we're aiming for. We know the sound we want and properly voiced and properly made with the right materials. We will be back in the room making speakers in the United Kingdom for export globally. That sounds really amazing. Yeah, that definitely does sound like fate. Um, and I suppose also you're going to have like clear differentiation, aren't you? going to be much more flexible, much more customizable, I suppose, than some of the alternatives out there. So, yeah, it sounds a really exciting opportunity. I think for a lot so, of people, sorry, yeah, go on. Sorry. No, go on, go ahead. I'm just going to say for a lot of people, we, we sit in a restaurant and it's a lovely restaurant, but there's something not quite right. And it's often the sound that yeah. isn't quite right. Or yeah. you sit in a restaurant and you look around and the paint's nice and the decor's nice, but there's a horrible black box hanging on the wall with wires hanging out the back of it. Mm -hmm. And it, it looks a bit weird, it looks a bit odd. Yeah. You know, so be able to, so if somebody, you know, fits out a really nice restaurant and then says, well, I would like, you know, a teak speaker with a wooden grill, not a metal grill, a wooden grill. Yes. And I'd like, or I'd like it in pink or I'd like it in whatever. We can, yeah. we can do that. And yeah. that'll be our USP and it'll yeah. sound amazing. So it won't, yeah. it won't drive people out of the restaurant because it doesn't sound like a wasp in a tin can. <laughs> and, you know, it sounds like a, it's, it's a rich, warm, grandma's gravy sound which makes them feel better in the environment that they're in visually and audibly yeah sorry i just want to get that across because i think that's that's our that's our thing really to be able to yes. do more bespoke stuff i see yeah i see yeah that sounds great yeah i can't can't wait to hear one <laughs> um so what, what would you say the biggest challenges are that you've faced in running globally successful businesses, you know, and, and how have you overcome them and, and what have you learned from those lessons? Um, I think the biggest challenges is, are uh, sorry, there's two or three. The first one is that we never give credit. Okay, so um, the biggest challenge is getting paid. And there's all kinds of people that will offer you solutions. But when we used to supply Maplin electronics and we supplied them three quarters of a million pounds worth of kit on an annual basis, we were credit insured with Eula Hermes. But when they decided not to play the ball anymore, Eula Hermes were nowhere to be seen. So credit insurance is a, is a great thing, but you tell me if you've got a tight cash flow, how fast those credit insurance companies are gonna pay out on a default. They, they don't pay out very quickly. And, and, and if you're in business, manufacturing, cash is king. So, yeah. you know, we're probably the new revolution, really. And we say to people, of course, you can have your polka dot green speakers, but you'll have to pay for them before we start, you know, to pay now. And people are not used to that. They're used to it if they go shopping in Sainsbury's or Tesco's, they're used to paying for things when they take them out of the shop. But businesses are criminal in, in saying, oh, yeah, and 60 days to pay, 90 days today to pay. Ladies and gentlemen, businesses manufacturing are not banks. OK, yeah. let the bankers lend the money and lend them to the clients. But you must always be paid before you lift a finger. We have no bad debt in this business. We have no credit risk. We have no uh, nobody's got anything of ours that's not, not paid for because we will not advance credit. We very kindly say, if you'd like to buy some of our speakers, business to business, fine, pay us and we'll send you some. And they go, oh, well, Fred gives me 30 days. Well, good old Fred. Go to Fred. 
as if he's still here in a few months' time. <laughs> so cash is king for us and managing the cash flow. One of these strange businesses where we, we do our cash flow forecast and business plan every quarter. So we're on it like a carbonic and we watch it like a hawk. And, um, you know, we don't, we, that's the way we run our business. So it's really, really important. So for, to answer the first part of that question is, is the challenges are don't be drawn into giving people credit. Just don't do yeah. it. They've not got a yeah. credit card. They're not credit worthy. Don't even, we'll take credit cards. We'll take, we'll take anything, but as long as it's, as long as we're going to be paid. Yeah. The second thing, yeah. the second challenge is, um, reaching out to the to the world and and that is that is quite you know difficult for other people but the great thing is about the english language is that quite a lot of people speak it mm-hmm. so if, for me in the past it's always been i'd like to do business in dubai so i fly to dubai and i go and knock on a few doors the dit have been extremely supportive and helpful in anything like that but unfortunately in business it's not about uh, sitting in the chair and doing everything from a, from the screen. It's about getting out there and, and holding the babies and pressing the flesh and just being in the room with the people to get their confidence. And then it just flies. So we're very privileged. We deal with probably about 180 countries on and off. They're not all on. They're not all off. They're on and off. So we kind of just see where everybody's going. And, and then we kind of say, well, there's a, there's a, there's a, a market which is open and ready for business. And then we go into it. But it is all about getting on your bike and getting into those places and pressing the flesh. And when you go, you know, we take a little bit of Yorkshire tea or we'll take some honey if we can get it through customs. And we just say, hey, you know, here's a bit of, here's a taste of the United Kingdom. You know? yes. Here's what we're about. So, yeah. yeah, so there are challenges. And we won't talk about COVID-19 because it's irrelevant. We just have to crack on now. But two of the yeah. big challenges now is getting out there, pressing the flesh and making sure you're getting paid. Yeah, uh, brilliant. Well, yeah, hopefully places are opening up more now. So it'll give hopefully later on in 2021, it'll be the time to you know get back out there and, and meet some more people. Um, are there any tools or techniques specifically that you think have helped you, uh, you know, get to the position where you are today? Certainly. Um... As far as tools and techniques are concerned, to, to, to get us through where we've been over the last 18 months, um, what, we've, what we've done is we've worked very closely with Innovate UK. We've okay. worked very closely with uh, Harrogate Borough Council and their raft of advisors and specialists. We've worked with, we've, we've gone to people where we haven't got the answer and said, do you know anyone who can help us with this? So our business model is quite simple. We don't employ anybody. We use freelancers for everything that we do. We use outside advisors because we don't, we need specific skills in specific areas. So IP is a big issue for a lot of businesses. So where do you go to get IP advice? Well, first and foremost, you speak to Innovate UK and say, who's the best person for, to help us with this? And they'll find you the best people. LinkedIn is a fantastic tool. Yes, it has its strange people on there, which you know pop up from time to time and say, "Can I sell you a car or whatever?" We, you know, <laughs> no, thank you. But it has some great people in there, and the networking in business is absolutely critical. So, any business out there, if you're not in touch with the DIT, pick the phone up now. If you're not in touch with any of the local Harrogate Borough Council or Borough Council, any council, they have 
SME business managers, they have they have resources, they know the people and, and talk to your MP. I mean, again, I said earlier, I'm not political, but the MPs are pretty well connected. And if you ask them, rather than shout and say my bins haven't been emptied, say, look, who can help me with this? And they'll know somebody. Yeah. And, and so it's all about networking. It's all about using your friends in a nice way and saying thank you when they've helped you. Um, but our model is very much freelancers, outsourcing and, and employment for us is something we, we would struggle with because we're not very, we don't have the time. We need to be talking to our customers and focusing on our strengths. So we get other people to make the things and do the stuff and do all the other bits behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, amazing. It sounds like it's going to be a really exciting few years for, for yourself and for Bishop Sound yeah. as this uh, as this grows. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you uh, if they want to find out more about what you're doing? Well, I'm probably one of the most craziest business people on the planet from the point of view of the fact that I make my mobile number freely available and not only on LinkedIn and Facebook and the Internet, right. but everywhere. It's all okay. So so um, the, the, the very, very important thing, I'd say this to every business person that's watching this. I learned this from a guy that Viking stationery. Those of you back in the day that had a catalog come through the door with Viking stationery, it was a guy with gray hair on the front. Yes, I remember time. that. If you, if you want stationery, give me a ring. Mm -hmm. So talk to the boss. Don't make yourself accessible. Don't be frightened. People are quite nice generally. There are a few nutcases out there. They're bound to be. But, but, but they, they, they will, you can talk to people. And so we, you know, my phone, it's not in the room at the moment, but my phone will, will ring and, oh, you know, uh, I can't believe I'm talking to the, the guy that owns the company. Well, of course, you know, what's your problem? What do you want to do? What are you trying to achieve? Let me help you. And if I can't help them, I will give them a phone number for somebody that can. And I think that kind of behavior, treating others as you expect to be treated yourself, and getting directly to the owner of the company to, to is not isn't shouldn't be difficult but for you can there's countless businesses where the managing director the financial director hide under the cupboard yeah. or in the cupboard wherever they are and that shouldn't be the way in business if you want to be in business and you want to go global make yourself accessible and make yourself available to everybody and and you know if you can't do that i mean my phone switches off automatically at nine o'clock so I go to bed and it wakes up at six o'clock in the morning. You know, you can manage these things now. So I don't get calls at three o'clock in the morning from Barbados saying, yes, because I agree. I don't get that. You know, so I can manage it. It's great. So that's how it should so, be, in my opinion. That, uh, that's really interesting. And I think that's quite rare. Have you got an example of an unexpected call that you received kind of out of the blue that worked out kind of unexpectedly well? Yeah, I've got two, very two, two very, very, very opposite um I, I took a call um one day um and the man on the phone was crying okay and um i said are you okay he said yeah yeah i'm fine he said i'm fine mr bishop he said um he said I, i've just switched on one of your speakers he said uh, i'm in lincolnshire i said are you okay is that anything happened you know he said, he said you know i'm 52 years of age i said no that's fine but are you okay he said, I've just witnessed the most amazing sound I've ever heard in my life. Wow. And it's, it's, it's torn me to the core. Mm. He said, and I can't, I, I, I'm just emotionally moved. Wow. Another call. Guy rings me Friday afternoon, three o'clock. I need some speakers. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. What's the situation? 
yeah, I need them fairly quickly. Yeah, well, we can. Yeah, we've got speakers. What? Are you are you okay? He said no. I said why are you not okay? He said because. He said my best friend, um, nineteen years of age, record producer, um, DJ, East London, went home last night, and his girlfriend told him she was pregnant with their first child. So he went out into the backyard and hung himself. God, oh my gosh. Right, okay. So we're a big part of, uh, it's on my mug actually, we're a big part of We Make Events. Mm. And that organisation has been holding people together during the pandemic, freelancers mm. and artists, everybody that's in the creative arts. Fantastic organisation, some great people in there. So we immediately got involved with, we immediately, I was in there anyway on the politics team with them, but I immediately started to call some of the people that could help this guy and we, we rescued him from going the same way. But, you know, there's two examples of, of the calls, the type of calls that I would get, which I manage and handle. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not frightened of taking those calls. And thank God I've got a network around me that can help support me through that. Yeah. But but if you don't expose yourself to the danger of recognition and you don't expose yourself to those kind of calls how do you understand your clients and what their needs mm. are and where they are in the game so mm -hmm. emotional yes but business is emotional because mm. 80 percent or 90 percent of business is passion if you've got no passion for what you're doing go and do something else life's too short yeah, so yeah. be passionate about what you do follow your dreams and enjoy your business. <laughs> great word, really great thought-provoking words. Uh, I think that's a brilliant way to, to end and hopefully inspire some people to um, to yeah to maybe maybe take on board some of what you've said there. So really appreciate that, Andrew. Thank you. Just based on my experience, I don't know everything. I, I just I, I feel my way. Um, I'm not you know I'm not. Uh, someone special I, I just truly care about treating others as i expect to treat myself anybody can ring me and i'll be as polite as i possibly can be and um yeah here i am for you and if you want to know more about sound please 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 reach out give me a call i'll be happy to talk to you brilliant thank you will do um we'll put in the in the description to this your website your contact details and um, so it will be there for, for everyone thanks a lot for your time today andrew that was fascinating really great to hear some of your experience and your stories um yeah that was brilliant thanks andrew thanks martin take care have a great day mate you too cheers, cheers.